Hello and thank you for listening to episode 229 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows. And in this one I chat with Don Jameson, the American comedian whose latest album, Denim and Laughter, was released just last month. I did put a review of it on our website. I'm hoping that you, dear listener, has not only read the review, you've also bought the album. If you haven't by any chance, a link to the review that I did will be in the podcast notes for this episode. So however you're listening to this, have a look at the notes for it and there'll be a direct link to that review. Now, I was due, and you'll hear me talk about this with with Don, I was due to do this in person with him. He was going to tour here in the UK uh, with Biff from Saxon. Uh, and of course, it's brought up in the conversation. Uh, unfortunately, with everything going on, that hasn't happened. Fingers crossed. Uh, well, I hope Don gets over to the UK at some point. We do mention that he hasn't actually performed over here in the UK. So it'd be great if at some point we could get him back over here and we can do a show together face to face at some point in the future. The night that we recorded wasn't the first time that we tried to record. We tried to record it a couple of nights previously. And Skype wasn't playing very well at all. <laughs> I have never, in the eight years that I've been podcasting, ever have Skype be that bad. Uh, so we did it a couple of nights later, and all was fine, thankfully, as you'll hear. Uh, so, yeah, just so you know, <laughs> when we do bring it up about the technical difficulties, that's what happened. So let's move on onto the chat that I had with Don. Uh, Don, first of all, thank you for joining me. I know this isn't the first time we tried to connect. We've had a few internet problems over the last few days, haven't we? Yeah, I, bl I blame it on the coronavirus. I think so. It's even infected the internet and especially Skype. Skype's had it now. That's it. <laughs> Either the coronavirus or Trump. Somebody's to blame for this. <laughs> Now, listen, so much to talk about, and I want to fit in as much as we can. I'm going, to, I'm going to start straight off with, you know, your latest comedy album. I put a review up on our website. Absolutely loved it. And uh, I put on the review that, like, I grew up, my dad brought me up listening to comedy albums. So, And we're of a similar age as well. So it was like, you know, early 70s going into the 70s. And over here, my dad brought me up and he was listening to like The Goons. And there's a guy, which I'm sure that you've not heard of over in America, called Blaster Bates, who was a demolition expert. And he gave all weird, strange, and mostly rude stories. Uh, hey. <laughs> Monty Python. Got, got Benny Hill. Oh, Benny Hill. Yeah, Benny Hill as well. All of these people. What Did you listen to comedy albums growing up? I mean, what got you into comedy to begin with? Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for the real positive ink on my album. And I'm happy to be on with you to talk about my UK and Europe tour that's not happening now. So <laughs> We were due to do this face to face. We were originally going to do it in Liverpool, weren't we, until everything kicked off? Yeah, yeah. And, and I've been drinking so much since I've been home. I, I, I feel like I'm from liver drown now. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> I yeah, I, the first two records I ever owned was Kiss Destroyer nice. and George, George Carlin Occupation Fool. Oh, great. So yeah, those those two worlds for me always were a good combination. You know, I always there was something sub subversive about rock music and obviously something subversive about comedians like George Carlin and Cheech and Chong. Um, and then later when I became a teenager, I, I honestly did. I, I love the absurdity of, of the British 
humor, like the Monty Pythons and the Benny Hills, and and then much later uh, being turned on to like Derek and Clive. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I find that stuff like even more relevant today because you know everything's so politically correct that you 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 have to be more absurd than ever to sort of get your point across because you pick up a newspaper now and the, the headlines almost seem like a joke it is and i'm glad you brought this politically correct stuff up because like when we were growing up there wasn't you know it was either humor wasn't either politically correct or politically incorrect it was just humor and you either found it funny <laughs> or you didn't and like now it's Oh, you've got to be careful. You can't say that because you're going to offend so-and-so. I mean, how's that? I mean, it's not really affected you because you just say what you want and that's why I find you really funny. Yeah. Um, but, you know, is the people within the, the comedy world that, that you move in as well, has, has this affected them in any way at all with this whole new, oh, I'm offended at that, don't say this? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, it's a strange balance because, yeah, as a performer, yeah, I want to be able to go up and, and make a point, obviously get laughter. But, um, you know, at the same time, I think the, the writing has gotten maybe a little more creative because, um, you know, I, I like to stay edgy, um, but I also don't, you know, I don't want people, you know, running out of the comedy club like Harry and Meghan from Buckingham Palace either. <laughs> So <laughs> it's, the trick is to try to keep them in the seats and make them laugh at stuff they wouldn't normally laugh at nowadays. Yeah. But at the same time, give the middle finger to the PC society. So it's a it's a tricky balance. But, um, you know, look, the comics that can adapt and adjust, but keep, you know, keep true to what they do. They're, they're going to stick around. And the ones who can't and, you know, look, every once in a while, you know, the comedy business needs a good douching. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. and the comedy business has changed i mean comedy again growing up in the 70s there was a there was a big tv show over here in the uk called the comedians and it you know it was what it it says by the title it was a bunch of uk comedians and they were telling jokes whereas now that kind of humor seems to have disappeared you know just telling straight jokes where it's more the type of humor that i grew up listening to with likes of billy Connolly and so on where it's more, you know, anecdotes and stories and, and going off on weird tangents. Uh, is is there anybody that's still doing the old get up and tell old school jokes anymore? Yeah, not really, because you know what the thing is? I even started doing more, more of the anecdotal stuff because I just find you could get away with a lot more stuff if you make it a personal story. Mm -hmm. and people aren't sort of like, oh, he's just trying to be outrageous or he's trying to shock us or get a laugh. It's, you know, these are true stories. But I don't know. I still try to mix it up. You know, I always love to I love to tell a story and then I love to tell, you know, a really, you know, dirty one liner and then follow that up. with just something completely silly because I think it keeps the audience guessing. They're never quite sure where you're going to go. So, uh, you know, I hope, especially on my last couple albums, I think I've found that balance because the truth is in real life, I'm a horrible storyteller because I can never, <laughs> I always want to get to the, the end. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's always like, I'll say, oh, Dave. So um, the other day, my friend and I went to, well, the, the, and the pants were made of plastic. <laughs> Well, let me go back and tell you how I got there. You know, I never want to wait. 
And on your, on your new album, which I should say, of course, is called Denim and Laughter. And there's a review on our website. Please go and read that. And of course, please buy the album. Everybody listening to this, please buy the album. Yes, I have no income. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, go, you, need, you need the sales even more than ever now. Uh, sure. I loved it all the way through. And of course, I was drawn in by some of the titles. When I'm looking at some of the titles and, and I'm reading things, <laughs> you know, like anal fetish, gorilla sex, hipsters, And it's like, oh, I've got to listen to all of this. One of my favorite bits is uh, how you can no longer have the perfect death which just had me in hysterics. How do, when, you're coming up, when you're coming up with material, how do you come up with, with all the material that you do? Is, is you've got like a set way that you do it or do things just pop into your mind at any time? Yeah, it's just every day going through life and especially that, that bit about me almost getting hit by a bus and <laughs> being concerned that, yeah, you know, that I just blew the best punchline of my life. Um, by not getting you know mowed down in the, the middle of a New York City street, um, it's usually yeah the dark stuff is usually what kind of makes you think because what's how do we protect ourselves from dark moments with by trying to make light of it you know and so that's those are the situations I always find where I you know I default to the humor position when things get really dark um, so yeah no so again that's you know that's a bit that's a little darker. Um, and then there's, you know, again, there's stuff that's silly, there's stuff that's edgy, there's stuff that's, um, you know, again, the storytelling on there. So I think it's just whatever kind of works. There's some method to the madness somehow. But uh, like I said, it's I mostly just like to keep people guessing. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff about my favorite bands on there as well. So it's a kind of a, a good mix of what I do in the regular nightclubs and then also what I do when I go out and open for bands, you know, like I was supposed to be doing um, the, over there in, you know, UK and Europe with Biff. Yeah, I mean, please tell us a bit about that now that we're not going to see it. How was it going to work? If it, I remember right, it was going to be you and Biff on stage in part one and then Biff doing some songs in part two. So uh, was it you were going to ask Biff questions at the beginning? And if it was, can you tell me one of the questions? Maybe one of the more weird or probing questions you were, you were going to ask him. <laughs> Well, we were going to do sort of almost like a talk show format where I would I'm the host. I'll come out. I'll do a monologue, you know, so that, you know, you get some of my stand up in there. And then, yeah, Biff would come out and we'd have a couple of chairs and, I, you know, and I would talk to him sort of, you know, loosely interview style. And of course, I'd ask him stuff, you know, throughout his career, you know, like, hey, like back in the 80s when you used to wear those silver spandex, like <laughs> what, you have stuff down the front, you know. Stuff like that, because, you know, he was used to have that giant bulge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, I, you know, I was like, what has he got down there? Like one of the roadies? You know, so <laughs> so we would just have a loose, fun conversation, let the, some of the fans ask questions, and then his band would play at the end, and, you know, that'd be the show. And so we were really excited to do that together. You know, Biff and I, obviously Biff Byford's the singer for the band Saxon, who's one of my favorite bands of all time, and uh, hence – you know, the album Denim and Laughter, because mm -hmm. uh, Denim and Leather had such an impact on my life, which is, you know, their kind of their classic album. And I figured it'd be a great tie in to do, you know, because I take their artwork directly and I just change it to Denim and Laughter. And I even on the back cover where they're all on the motorcycles, I just Photoshop my head on top of Biff's. <laughs> and I figured while we were on tour, maybe some people would be thinking I'm selling Denim and Leather. And I get a whole bunch of, you know, extra sales by accident. 
I'm gutted that it's not going to happen now. Are there, I know it's early days, but are there any plans that it might happen like maybe later this year? I mean, it depends on what he's going to do with Saxon, mm. you know, whether their stuff's getting pushed back now or not. So holding out hope, man, because, you know, I've been over to, to England and, and the UK many, many times, but never to perform. So my heart's kind of broken, man. Yeah, I hope you do get over here to perform. I really do. Because, again, one of the things that I really love about you, Don, is obviously your sense of humour and, you know, and all the product that you put out. But you're into rock music as well. And, of course, that metal show. Uh, and you've got that, you know, that Jameson show now. Again, for the listeners, you know, there's a lot to cover there. But if you want, if they're not aware of it, do you want to just give them a quick brief run through of those two great shows as well? So that metal show, you know, was uh, a show that aired here in America uh, on uh, VH1 Classic. A lot of people think you were on, uh, we were on VH1. No, it's actually VH1 Classic, which, as I say on the album, is the difference between hiring Alec Baldwin and Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> I don't know what the the British equivalent is for that. But... <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know, like BBC One to. Channel Five, something like that, maybe with a TV. Well, I, was, I was thinking of what actors would it apply to. Oh, with act. Oh my God, I didn't know. I'm trying <laughs> to think of. Yeah, what? Oh, what British actors have we got where I could sort of? I don't know. I'll think on that one. Hopefully, come back yeah, in a yeah. bit. Yeah, but yeah, but but it was it was cool to be on a small channel because they aired a program over and over, mm. and they really weren't worried about ratings, although they were very good. And we did 14 seasons, and it was me and uh, two of my close friends basically interviewing our hard rock and heavy metal heroes from our childhood. And, you know, we had everybody from, you know, Lemmy from Motorhead, Alice Cooper, Brian Johnson from ACDC, Axl Rose, um, you know, pretty much anybody you could think of. And, you know, so we had a good run with that. And then, you know, since that ended, um, once again, I've stolen the artwork and <laughs> somebody else's creativity. <laughs> And made it my own, and I'm doing that Jameson show now, which is just sort of, you know, um, my solo version of what we did on that metal show. So um, that's on compoundmedia.com. People could check it out there. There's some episodes up on YouTube as well. And, yeah, that's me, again, interviewing a lot of rock guys and all that. I just got, got done interviewing Ted Nugent. Um, I've had Matt Sorum on the show. I've had Steel Panther, Miles Kennedy, uh, Ricky Warwick, tons of people. So um, just keeping that spirit alive, keeping the rock and the humor connection going. Um, because, again, to me, those those worlds have always collided in the best possible ways. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I firmly believe that, too. And is there any are there any rock people that you haven't talked to yet? Who who is there that you've not talked to in the rock world that you'd really love to have a chat with? Um, you know, probably um, you know Ozzy. We never had on the show for whatever reason. I he he was a fan of the show, but um, you know he's Ozzy, so he's probably mm. not sitting thinking like, why am I not on the show? <laughs> Like if I see if I watch a sitcom and I like it, I'm not thinking how come I'm not on the show. I'm just kind of enjoying it. So, for whatever reason, we didn't have Ozzy on, and uh, you know Ozzy to this day. I mean, even with Parkinson's and even with you know the the vast amounts of cocaine and and other substances, the guy's still the king of one-liners. Man, he yeah. still says 
just can come up with stuff off the cuff all the time. And, you know, he's one of my comedy heroes, you know, never mind, you know, other comedians, but guys like Ozzy were always hilarious. And Alice Cooper always told these great stories. I always used to compare him to Bill Cosby, but, you know, can't do really that anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, David Lee Roth was like David Lee Roth, like the Robin Williams of comedians, just this crazy stream of consciousness. Half the time, you don't even know what the fuck he's talking about. But, you know, he's having so much fun. And, you, you know, you just find yourself laughing at half the stuff Dave says. And then then when you get done, you're like, well, what did what did he just say? No <laughs> idea. But it was funny. Oh, yeah, I would love to have a chat with David Lee Roth. I really would. Because, of course, well, until the tour got cancelled, he was opening up for Kiss, wasn't he, on their recent leg of the tour? Yeah, I had a buddy of mine who was his assistant for, like, those middle years in the 90s where he's, you know, he wasn't, didn't have the Eat Him and Smile band. He had that middle mm -hmm. band for a while, with that, which actually had Ray Luzier, from, who's the drummer in Corn now. Um, Ray was Roth's drummer. So I used to hang with Roth a bit. And um, honestly, I, could, I, can't, I can't tell you one conversation I ever had with the guy. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> I got to start out. I go, hey, Dave, how'd you write that song, Little Dreamer? And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, I was sitting home one day. And, and, and the next thing you know, you're like dizzy and you're about to fall over. <laughs> and, you know, and then he gets in. And then at the, at the end of the story comes, he's like, yeah. And then uh, the horse had no legs. <laughs> And you're like, all right, I, I don't know how we got here. <laughs> but I, you know what? I, I smoked half a joint and, and drank a half a bottle of Jack Daniels with Dave. So I guess that's good enough. Oh, what? That's a damn good time. <laughs> it is. With, with your comedy as well, you're not just performing it. You write comedy for people as well, don't you? Yeah, man. I, you know, it's it's a different skill. You know, when I write stuff for my act, I write it by hand. All my stuff, and this is not a good thing, I mean, especially in the modern age, but it's just the way I connect with my material is I write it all by hand. Mm -hmm. um, and I write it on like little cards. And then I kind of shuffle the cards and try to put them into an order. And um, but when I write for other people or t or television shows or whatever, it's that's more like homework. So I do that on my computer because I don't need to remember that, but it seems like when I write something by hand, I retain it more. Okay. And yeah. So do you find as well when you're writing, when you're writing for like comedy material for yourself, it's a different thought process as well as if you're writing it for somebody else. Have you got to think like how they think, or do you still just think how you think and put it into their mouths for them to speak, if that makes sense? Yeah. You know what? You just try for funny first and yeah. then you kind of go from there. That's the main thing. You know, that's the main thing about this job. You know, people, although, you know, I I don't know if you've seen a lot of the Netflix specials that have come out in the last year yeah. and a half or two years. Yeah. Apparently, laughter is not quite as important as it used to be. Um, <laughs> I, I always thought I thought being a comic was supposed to be about getting laughs. So um, I have no ego with the with the stuff. If it gets a laugh, it stays in the act. If it doesn't get a laugh, it comes out. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, my I'm, my job is to make people laugh. You know, if 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 someone's been if a dude's been hanging sheetrock for forty hours that week, and his girlfriend wants to go out on a Friday night on a date night and get some laughs, you know, I got to make that guy laugh. He yeah. doesn't want to. He doesn't want to hear my 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 politics. He doesn't want me to preach to him. He wants to sit there and laugh. He doesn't, you know. And if and and if if I'm going to talk about the tragedies in my life, it better be friggin' funny.
Yeah, that's true. Can you, can you remember the first time that you were on stage doing comedy? And if you can, where was it and what was it like? Oh, it was a little bar in um, South Jersey. I live in New Jersey here in America, and it was uh, it was in South Jersey. And, you know, it was just one of those situations. I, you know, I went with a friend of mine who's a comic, and he's, you know, I was kind of toying with doing it. He goes, oh, I could get you – I could get you on stage tonight. Um, and I was instantly like, no, 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 not tonight. I got a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. You know, you know, I've been putting this off. Let's try it. And it was just one of those places where people, you know, it's, it's all regulars, you know, they've all been sitting at the bar since, you know, five o'clock. Um, they didn't even know there's a comedy show. The TVs are on, you know, the microphone doesn't work. Um, you know, the stage is basically like four cases of beer stacked next <laughs> to one another. <laughs> and I got about four mercy laughs and, um, that was all I needed, you know, cause I figured, all right, for my first time, you know, my material's horrible, but I got mm. four mercy laughs and, um, you know, here it is 20 plus years later and now I'm getting as many as six mer- mercy laughs. <laughs> I think I feel I mean obviously I've never done it but I think it must be quite addictive if you're up there on stage and having the effect of of making people laugh and like you said you know people that have grafted all day they've come for a night out they want to relax and and you're giving them all these laughs it must be such a great feeling on stage and hearing that laughter yeah well I mean you know performing on stage and and being able to to talk about my problems definitely has kept me away from drugs and therapy. So I've saved a lot of money over the years. <laughs> How do you deal with hecklers? Uh, every, it's every case is different, man. You just, you don't, you never know because it could be, it could be a drunken bachelorette party. It could be, it could be the guy who was hanging sheetrock for 40 hours who is pissed off and doesn't want to be there. And he's got his arms folded and, um, he's that you could sort of get a silent protest out of him. And the, I, the way I th- always find the most effective is sort of let them hang themselves. Yeah. Because I, you know, I thought when I first started doing comedy, I, you know, I, I used to come up with these lines to shoot down hecklers. Um, you know, I just thought if I said, you know, F your mother, you know, then, then, Oh, okay. And then the audience would laugh, but then sometimes the audience turns on you if you're too harsh. Yeah. So if someone's being, especially if someone's drunk, you know, I'll sort of let them, how you say, blather on yeah. for, you know, not for too long, but I'll sort of let, let them hang them, you know, hang themselves with the audience. Then when I can feel the tide turn against them, then all I need is one or two quick lines I've dispatched of that person and we can move on. Yeah. That's usually the best way to handle it. So. Yeah. It saves, you know. Move, like you say, moving on is the best thing that you can get on with what you want to say, and it it cuts them off, doesn't it? That, that's hopefully for the rest of the evening as well. Uh, right? Yeah, because it, and then they kind of know. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I got nobody on my, my side here. So, um, or you know, if you're in, uh, in if you're in Scotland, I could just you know you could just come get off the stage and glass the guy. <laughs> yeah, and every day evening in Scotland, that is that's for sure. <laughs> well, with the name Jameson, I, you know, I 
should be able to build up an audience over there, wouldn't you think? Exactly. Yeah, you should be like a local hero to them with a name like that. <laughs> and of course, free whiskey all evening as well, which That's is always right. nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to bring up as well. You're an Emmy Award winner. Yes. That was that was very <laughs> humble way of just yes. Um, uh, well, I you know it's look it's a great honor, but um, um, I you know I don't know it's I feel like um you know the most I've gotten out of it is just having uh, having it on my nightstand <laughs> next to my bed. So you know if I have a a young lady over. You know, it kind of looks like I have something going on. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> There's an award so, there. It's like frequent flyer miles. <laughs> yeah. If, if she was going to just, you know, mess around with me a little bit, you know, the Emmy might up me to some penetration, you know. <laughs> so you keep it well polished. The award, that is. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're still talking about the award. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously it's a great honor. And um, but I'll tell you when when you know, um when I went to the the Emmys and and my my buddy um uh, and my comedy partner Jim Florentine, we went together and you know, we're we're two idiots from New Jersey. We're not thinking we're gonna win an Emmy in our lifetime. Hmm. But we got invited to the ceremony and we're there and we're just like goofing around and, you know, like laughing at people, you know, who actually were wearing suits that weren't from their high school graduation like ours were and um, just goofing on people and stuff. And we missed the whole announcement. So we didn't even pick our Emmys up. Oh, wow. So they said um, after. And so afterwards, we were like we were in the. um you know, they give those gift bags out at these award shows. Yeah. So we found the closet that they were in. So we're like grabbing gift bags and we're like trying to, you know, we're like throwing them out of the closet at them. Like, here, take, take three or four of these. I'll grab some too. And then one of our coworkers came up and said, hey, congratulations. And we're like, well, for what? He goes, you guys won Emmys. We're like, we did? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So we're like, oh, that's cool. So when they called and they said, hey, we have your award, where do you want to send it? So I gave them my parents' address, and so they shipped it to my mom and dad, and they called me and said, hey, you, you got a box here. What should we do? And I said, oh, why don't you go ahead and open it? <laughs> so they opened it, and they saw it, and, and um, they started returning my calls shortly after that. <laughs> I, I'm, not I'm not surprised after, after seeing that. <laughs> I just I want to circle back to the album Denim and Laughter because it's out Metal Blade Records and you know which your previous albums have been out on on Metal Blade Records. How does it work? I mean I know it was only out last month, but how does it work going forward? So we're looking at another album. Do you do you approach them and say, okay, I've got more material. Here's some stuff for you. Do they come to you and say it's time to release something else? How does all that side of it work? No, just when I'm ready, I just let, you know, tell Brian Slagle, who's the owner of the label, hey, man, I, I got enough for an album. And, um, you know, my contract for them was for two albums. And now this is my fourth. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just sort of, uh, hey, I'm ready, man. And he goes, OK, you know, let me know. And, you know, I just go go on and record it. And that's a great thing. It's such a great connection for me as a comic to be on this heavy metal label because first of all it's music that shaped my musical tastes you know as a teenager all the way to today so I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it but also again it keeps that connection with me for with the comedy and heavy music 
and also, you know, they look, they have bands on there like Cannibal Corpse and Six Feet Under. So, you know, I was felt pretty certain that they weren't going to censor any of my material. Yeah. Yeah. That's a plus to it. That's for sure. Yeah. When you have a band that has a song called I Come Blood. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not worried about them asking me to tone down my stuff. No, that that puts your sort of hipster cheers <laughs> in the PG category. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I did. I did in the review put forward my uh, my thoughts for the next one. Kiss themed. Uh, laugh it up. But I fear if you did do that, you'd be sued by Gene Simmons, knowing him. So I don't. I don't know if you'd be able to do that one or not. I hope you're going to keep it. I'm sure you will do with all the rock themed names and covers. Is that something that you want to do going forward too? Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm actually been trying to get sued, but none of these bands <laughs> that I do parodies of are litigious. So I have to find your, it's actually a good idea to, to parody a kiss album because for sure Gene will come after me and that's good publicity. So yeah, um, I got to start thinking on that. I, I think, you know, for the next one, maybe motorhead though, because let me, was my hero and mm-hmm. uh you know was lucky enough to interview him and uh spend a little time with him as well um over the years which was amazing you know with if if you like heavy music um having a jack and coke with lemmy is pretty much number one on your bucket list and uh i crossed that one off many times over the years as the uh as my wobbly knees and bruises can attest to Oh, that's amazing. I recently watched a documentary all about the rainbow. And of course, Lemmy was in there and it got him sat at the end of the bar there drinking Jack and Coke and that. And it was, I mean, I've only ever been in the rainbow once. I was in America a few years ago and I thought, you know, I've got to pay homage to, to the place and went in there and had a drink in there. And it's 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 one of those places that's just amazing. And, and Lemmy as well, it was it was virtually his home in there. So, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to see him uh, in person anymore. But, yeah, I know what you mean about him being sort of one of the icons of rock, definitely. Yeah, and he, you know, you, you definitely didn't want to try to keep up with him <laughs> because I found I learned the hard way the first time I, I met him at the Rainbow. Um, and I don't, I'm not, I, you know, I'm a beer drinker pretty much. Um, so Jack, you know, drinking Jack and Coke for me is, is definitely a dangerous territory to begin with. And, you know, I thought it'd show Lemmy that, uh, I could keep up with him and, um, I ended up <laughs> making out with a girl with a mustache and being out of the rainbow by three of my friends. Uh, another evening never to be forgotten by the sounds of that. <laughs> no, luckily that evening is mostly forgotten <laughs> <laughs> except when i get together with said friends yeah we're more than happy to remind <laughs> okay. well i could i could talk to you all all night don i really could um and i know a vast majority of our listeners that they're into rock music they're they're into comedy uh and i'm sure most of them have read the review of your album and i would wholeheartedly recommend that they buy that album and your previous albums of course uh and because, you know, we can't talk all night as much as I'd, I'd like to. Here's, here's, how about this for a deal then? The next time you come to the UK, uh, we meet up, we get some drinks and we record a longer show in person together, having a few, having a few drinks. How about that? Well, I was going to, yeah, I was going to suggest a, a part two if and when uh, these dates with Biff do get rescheduled mm-hmm. or 
if I can just, you know, kind of do a, a DIY thing on my own, get over there. Um, I, you know, I do have an agent and he's, you know, looked into some stuff for me, but we're sort of hoping that this would be a good intro, um, thing with Biff and then I'd sort of come back and, and then do my own tour. So we might have to do things a little backwards, but yes, yeah, so I would love to sit down and have a few pints with you and we'll do a, a longer, more in, in depth thing and, uh, appreciate again, all the great words on the album and, and, and all the support here, man, it means a lot and glad we connected. Oh, no problem, Don. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. And there is, of course, we always go to know about this place here called the Tivoli in North Wales, a big rock club. Uh, had all the bands that Saxon have played there more than once as well. Um, I've been going there since the mid-80s. If you come across for a tour, which I do hope you do, uh, come to North Wales. Come to the Tivoli. I'll give you the details. I'll email them to you. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll get a huge audience there because people will love, will love what you do. That they will. Oh, well, hey, man, that means a lot, dude. Thanks so much. And uh, as Lemmy always said, stay clean. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Don. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. I love talking with Don. Like I said, I could have talked for hours with him. I really could. And I'm sure we'll have another show together at some point in the near future. So there's that to look forward to. Of course, the way we end the show is the usual housekeeping. Our website, 60minuteswith.co.uk. There's a contact us form on there. You can email us direct, which is contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Both of those are at 60minuteswith. We're on Reddit, which is 60 Minutes With Podcast, where you can leave some feedback on the shows. Another way that you can leave feedback on the shows is to leave the podcast a review. If you go to the website, there's a listener review section, a listener feedback section. You don't even have to go through iTunes or any of that malarkey. You can just send us an email. You can tweet us a review. You can leave the comment on Reddit and we'll put it onto the website. And once again, that all gives us, it helps us to get more interview guests. It helps us to get more competition prizes that we're always giving away on Twitter. The competition prize, as I record this, is for the upcoming 22 disc DVD collector's edition box set of the A-Team, the entire series of that. So we do give away lots of really good stuff. So if you're not following us on Twitter, give us a follow. You never know, as, as well as keeping up to date with everything that we do. You might win something as well. So with that, that's the end of this show. We are at the moment, with everything going on, trying to up our output to give people a bit more to listen to, hopefully give you all a few laughs. Thank you for listening. Like I said, go and read the review of Denim and Laughter by the album. Uh, and if you put any comments on any of Don's social media, again, the links to all of that are on the podcast notes for this episode. Uh, just say that we sent you there. All right, until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>